My name is Meryl Dubrow, CEO of Mark Research and the chair of the MSMR Advisory Board at Michigan State University. I am really excited to be part of Spartan Insights. Spartan Insights is a series of podcasts that I'll be hosting and interviewing one of the 600 alumni and 60 board members from the Michigan State Marketing Research Program. Today's guest on Spartan Insights is Tom York. Tom is the Associate Director of Research at Willis Towers Watson. Tom, thanks so much for being a guest on Spartan Insights. Yeah, thank you, Merrill. Uh, really appreciate being here. Really excited about the opportunity. Well, we're really, really excited. All right, Tom, here we are. It's Saturday. You ready? The Let's, Terrapins yeah. are playing Michigan State, my brother. <laughs> what do we got here? Who? What hat do you have on? What shirts? What colors are you uh, are you going with? You know, it's a great question. I grew up uh, rooting for Penn State. Um, okay. Obviously, you saw I went to um, University of Maryland, but yep. I think with uh, all the great things that um, have come to me after going to the Michigan State program, going through the program and meeting everyone, um, it's going to be green. Okay, so you're going with green. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, Tom, why don't we start with the listeners? Just give a little bit of an overview of your career, if you would. Yeah, sure. I've been in research for a little over 20 years. I started off uh, in the Air Force, actually. Was in the Air Force about four years as an enlisted member. Worked with a variety of different reconnaissance aircraft as an all-source analyst. From that, I, I went to a defense consulting firm, uh, BAE Systems and provided some research and analysis support to the Department of Defense with them uh, for a few years. And then after that, I actually switched from being a defense uh, consultant over to a government employee and worked with a DOD agency up until a few years ago. I spent a lot of time at the Pentagon working with some pretty amazing people focused on various military and national security type issues. And then for these past three years, I've been working, um, as you had mentioned, for Willis Towers Watson. I lead our research activity, conducting marketing research as well as user experience research, primarily focused on uh, health insurance needs, specifically for folks that are in the Medicare space. That's great. That That is wild and exciting for sure. You know, one of the things, I've never been to the Pentagon, but I want to ask you about that because I think it's Obviously, everybody who's listening has probably seen pictures of it, seen it, how huge it is. Let's put that into perspective for a half a second, if we could. Yeah. How big is the Pentagon? And I assume when you, if you did a one lap around the Pentagon, is it like your workout for the day? Huh. Yeah, yeah, it could be. So, I mean, it's the biggest, I think it's, it, it's uh, rated as like the largest office in the world, but it is a, it's a huge building. And there's different rings of the Pentagon. There's, I think you've probably heard of like the E-ring yep. from various TV shows and whatnot. And then it goes all the way down into to other rings and there's obviously different floors. So it's a, a pretty vast building with lots of people. You've got members from the military services, all the, all the services. And it's an exciting place to be at, uh, really. Oh, is. sure. How, how many, what do we talk, what do we, is it a hundred thousand people who work there? What is the number? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's up there though. Bigger, all the branches and, and all the yeah. government civilians. It's, it's a, it's a pretty high number. It's That's right great. off the, um, the Metro as well. So access wise, it's, it's, uh, it's good from a commuting perspective. You know, to right. and, and when you were there, I was enamored because we've never met, which is, which is kind of 
unfortunate because I, you have a really interesting background. But I know when you were there, you were the vice deputy director of defense intelligence collection management. Mm -hmm. Now, I know for one, and I'm sure lots of the listeners are as scared of I am of you as, as, as they are, right? What does that mean exactly from a research standpoint? Yeah, it's basically looking at the various type of research needs across DOD from a, you know, a strategic perspective, an operational yeah. perspective, and then like a tactical perspective and, and looking at our data collection and analysis capabilities and identifying, you know, how well we're doing, how well our capabilities are, are helping to provide information that helps us better understand certain scenarios and how well that data is being used. It's, you know, research on different information needs, problem statements that are kind of outward looking and also research on, you know, information needs that are inward looking to make sure that we're maximizing, you know, our, our capabilities and we're being as, as efficient as possible. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. Switching gears a little bit. So when you joined Willis Towers, Watson, um, it was about roughly maybe a year and a half prior to COVID hitting in March of 20, which I can't believe next week for us, Tom, uh, it'll be two years that we haven't been in our office. I That's mean, wild. we've been in the office yeah. a little bit, but I mean, full time. So can you talk for the listeners, especially the next generation of, of superstars over at the, the Michigan State MSMR program, how has research changed and your job changed from prior to COVID to what it is today? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the biggest thing is the way that we brainstorm, the way that we workshop, and the way that we coordinate, you know, amongst researchers, but also amongst different, you know, functions within the organization. Whereas, you know, before COVID, you can meet in, in an office and you can, you know, hold a small workshop or brainstorming session. And you could start looking at, you know, the different problems from that perspective and start analyzing data as a group. Nowadays, because it's all virtual, I too have been working from home for the past two years. We utilize a lot of kind of online capabilities. So uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of Miro board. But I don't we, think so. Yeah, it's, it's a really good platform to kind of share various insights. It, it's almost kind of like an in-project research repository that you can use and you can also invite others in and you can hold like a you know a zoom call with as many people as you want and you can all be looking at the same board so the collaboration aspect of that has been very powerful and i think that's here to stay regardless of whether or not we go back into you know some sort of full time in the office or for some sort of a hybrid mode the, the the collaboration aspect of it has been I think improved from using platforms like that. And there's other platforms out there. You may have heard of Trello board. That's yep. another one that folks yep. use. And then on the, the actual like data collection research side of things, you know, everything has been remote. My focus is on a population that, you know, for years has been considered a little behind the technology curve. And again, because I'm looking at folks that are either about to enroll into Medicare or have been on Medicare for a while. Prior to COVID, there were some challenges with technology, especially popping on a Zoom meeting and, and showing folks how to share the screen and whatnot. All in all, it wasn't that bad. But now with COVID and how it's kind of moved a lot of those trailing edge boomers into 
more of a technology centric day-to-day focus it's, it's actually works out quite well from a from a research perspective doing interviews focus groups you know sending out surveys via email it's it's been really powerful that's great how, how big is your team my research team is four members, myself and three other members that are dedicated research resources. When I came aboard in 2018, we, the organization didn't have a research team. So my boss who brought me in, uh, one of my, my charges was to you know, assess where we were as an organization from a research perspective and help grow it into something that's like a no kidding research activity, what I call a research enterprise. So over these past few years and, and through working with my colleagues, we've built out a, a real research enterprise that while myself and my three other research colleague, colleagues are conducting research, there's others in the organization that are conducting research as well. And we're helping to provide them with consultation, coordination, various type of you know, research tradecraft to where the organization as a whole is really focused on being you know, a learning organization, looking at what our our customers are saying to us and then trying to improve upon our products and services from that. So very customer driven. Oh, that's great. So are you hiring now, Tom? Right now we're not, um, but we are very interested in taking on any internships. Um, So if there's folks that are available for internships, that's something that's of interest. Let's assume you were hiring full-time tomorrow, right? I see the future and that's what's going to happen. What, what catches Tom York's eye, like you have a stack of 50 resumes. They're all unbelievable, right? They're all from Michigan State. They're all amazing. Each one is better than the prior. What catches your eye? What stands out for you? What is like a must have that really gets gets you going? And wow, I got to talk to this person. I'm going to interview this person. Well, I'm the first going to look for their background experience and, and, and qualifications. Obviously, if they're coming out of the program, they're going to be skilled in quantitative and qualitative research. And um, I think that's something that's great about the program, especially the, the two different residencies, the, the one week long residencies you do. They really help you for when it comes to getting into the workforce, doing this type of work. So I'm going to look for those things and you know make sure that they're there at a minimum. But what I'm really looking for in a resume when, when I'm looking at things is I want to see that this individual is passionate about taking their, their tradecraft, their research tradecraft, and applying it to something like what we do here at W2W in the health insurance space, applying it to, to something that will help others. And that's really the end goal for me is to help others through research. So if I can see that kind of conveyed through a resume, then that's going to catch my eye. How do you do that? How do you help others through research? Are you talking about, well, I tested a potato chip for Frito-Lay and I told them to move forward or I told them to tweak it. So I helped them. Is that, is that kind of what you're referring to? Well, there's certainly aspects of product research, which really fall in line with the user experience research that we do. But I think you have to look at, you know, who are you helping and, and who are your customers? So from a research perspective, like who are your stakeholders? You have internal stakeholders, which for us are going to be um, a lot of our our leadership team, our executives, our various colleagues throughout the different functions, and especially our our agents that are dealing with our customers on the phone each day. So that's one aspect of kind of your internal stakeholders and externally, obviously, your customers and their needs. And really, like 
let's face it, nobody likes going out and buying insurance. I don't, I don't think anybody's ever said that was the greatest experience of their life. Right. So with that said, health insurance is, is so very important, whether you're an active employee or you're a pre-retiree who hasn't aged into Medicare yet, or you're on Medicare. It's, it's super important from ensuring that you have coverage and also ensuring that your needs are met while your financial considerations are made as well. And providing people, specifically focused on, on the customers, providing people peace of mind and making sure that they're in the most optimized plan that they can be in for if something does happen and that best fits their life situation. That's how we help people through research because we're able to look across the market, look across all the consumers in the market, identify what's working best for folks, feed that information back to our colleagues within the organization, express it to folks that are looking at different plans and really make sure folks are optimizing the, the opportunity they have for, for purchasing plans. That's really, really, really cool. But AI is a hot methodology that's in everybody's mind. Are you guys exploring that? Are you guys doing anything with AI in terms of your research? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. And, you know, AI is such a broad, encompassing yep. term. So it is. I guess I'll give you a couple examples. And this is great because the MSMR program really set me up for success um, for this specific use case, which is text analysis. So SPSS modeler and take, you know, take in various data sets of open-ended comments and analyze it with that platform in a timely manner. And then to provide that over to my colleagues I work with, um, hey, this is the grouping of comments that folks are really focused on helps us then turn around quickly, almost real time to then say to our product and technology colleagues, like, hey, folks are really talking about this issue or that issue within these comments. And then they can just start making real-time updates on their on their end, putting it into their product roadmaps. So it's so really driving value from, you know, from, from that perspective. So text analytics is a is a big is a big piece of the AI component that we look for that that we're conducting. Another piece that I've seen and we're exploring in various different lines of business is, you know, chat and chatbots. And we've done a lot of research on, you know, how the population that we focus on, what they think about chatbots and how that will help them. We have some, I wouldn't call them somewhat sophisticated chatbot capability, but that's another area that we explore from a research perspective to help inform how that chat uh, bots are deployed. You know, I think another piece, probably more into the the, the data science predictive analytics realm, and I know we covered a lot of that stuff in some of the MSMR courses is, you know, especially taking, you know, using SPSS modeler, categorizing data, and linking it back to other attributes that you have on your various data sets, and then, you know, use a lot, utilizing information to then help the business predict and, and plan for what folks are having, you know, specific issues and and during what time frame? That's a huge piece of insight that that's helpful for folks as well. Switching gears for a second, you know, daily I'll read like Quirks, I'll read MR Web, which is which is interesting. I'll read some stuff from Mashables, which I'm kind of interested in. What is there stuff that you read that are you know to keep your knowledge sharp, to keep moving and learning each and every day, each and every week? Is there stuff that you read? weekly, whether it's online or, or sites that you visit, just to, just that you could share for as a resource for, for the uh, students? 
Yeah, absolutely. I read some of those similar articles as well. And I, I, before I jump into some of the recommendations, I'd also say like, and I recall this from the program, I forget who it was who said it, but after the program ends, continue to read and continue to really dive into various different research topics and books that'll help you just and continue to enhance your tradecraft. So like I'm reading a book right now on market segmentation, you know, each day uh, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm reading that book now. I've, you know, read you know, other books on consumer behavior, but I'm always reading something from a book perspective that's helping me become a better researcher. Coming into this role, I, I initially started this role doing a lot of user experience research, you know, product research. So, you know, there's a lot of good pieces of information out there on that. I look at a site called Measuring You. The name of the company is Measuring Usability. There's a ton of incredible information out there, especially when it comes to conducting research and then comparing product A to product B and doing different types of statistical analysis amongst products, things that we cover in the program. Very helpful there. Website-wise, so I have Google Alerts set up with different keywords like market research, UX research, and then things that are pertinent to the industry that I'm in. So anything that's Medicare related, I'm looking at. I also look at Pew uh, Research, their, yep. their page, their outstanding resource. I look at them daily. Health Affairs, that's another resource that I look at. And there's often a lot of good information in there. And uh, ARP also puts out a lot of you know, really good research that, that is pertinent to, to my industry. So I, I, I look there as well. Perfect. So one last comment. If, if there was one piece of advice or one last thing you'd love to say to the current students, what would it be, Tom? Yeah, really stay hungry. Don't relax after you get, after you graduate. Stay hungry because what will make you successful is continuous learning. You're getting an outstanding education in marketing research through the, through the program and, and making great contacts with, with leaders in that field. But that shouldn't stop you from, from, you know, the desire to learn more. So you should be hungry to, you know, go out and, you know, grab books, look at the different sites of, you know, various research sites and things that appeal to the industry you're in or you want to be in. It should be a daily thing and have discipline about it. Don't just do it for one week and then, you know, stop for a couple of weeks. It's just a, I, I kind of think of it as like that, that constant sharpening of the blade blade being your, your research yeah. tradecraft and uh, nothing, nothing will be spending 30 minutes to an hour each day, just reading something that relate that relates to yeah. research. All right, Tom, I lied. I got one more question because you, sure. you hit, you hit a word that I love and I want to ask you in your opinion, the word discipline, mm -hmm. what percentage of people, let's not name names, let's not identify companies, but in your opinion, what percentage of people that you know, that you've worked with, that your friends are whatever, that you believe have discipline out of 100%, what's mm. that percentage? You had to guess. Yeah, I, if I had to guess out of all the folks I know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a low percentage. And I, I right. think that scales, like you can infer that to the, right. <laughs> the global population. And the reason yep. being is, Discipline and motivation are, are completely separate things, right? Yeah. Yep. And I listen to a lot of leadership and read leadership books as well. Actually, one of my, I don't know if you've heard of Jocko Willink, but he has some great books and his kind of saying is discipline equals freedom. I like to apply that to, you know, my life where I can as well, or as best I can. 
And I look at that from the, the career aspect, coming back to the, the discipline and motivation piece of things. Motivation is when you want to do something, you're excited about it, and, and you're, you're, you're eager to do it. But that fades. No matter who you are, that, that motivation is going to fade in some aspect. Like, who wants to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and, and read for 30 minutes to an hour each day? Probably no one. You might be motivated to do it for you know, a week or two, but over time, that, that is going to fade. The, the real takeaway I take from leaders, like I just referenced, is that the, the discipline aspect of things will almost force you to still conduct that activity with or without motivation. And at the end of the day, you're going to be so much better for it because you're still doing those things that you set out to do, whether it be you know, continue to enhance your tradecraft or reading or taking different workshops or, you know, eating right, exercising, all that kind of stuff. But applying to, to the, you know, marketing research aspect, yeah, the, the discipline to me is constantly being hungry and constantly reading and getting better. Yeah. All right. But I'm going to push you because you didn't answer my question. You said low. My, my definition of low and yours might be different. Give me an answer. And then I'll make a point um, and then sure. we'll go from so I think in I, my experience, it's in your too, experience, you yeah, said yeah. what yep. percentage of people in your opinion have discipline? I'd say it's probably around five, two to five percent. Yeah. And my belief is it's probably pretty darn close to that. But yeah. the point is, and the takeaway is that for any of the listeners, if you can have discipline, true discipline, and really stick to that, you are so far ahead of the game. You're ahead of your classmates, you're ahead of the people in the industry, you're ahead of people who you're going to be working with. I promise you. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate your time today on Spartan Insights. My name is Merrill Zubro. Thanks for listening and have a great day.